Now before you're seated, let's quote that series scripture. Amen. Ready? One, two, three. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you believe that? Amen. You know, in uh, Genesis 2.25, the Bible says that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Say they were not ashamed. And then by Genesis 3.10, we find out that they're hiding from God. Scripture says, Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. In other words, when sin moved in, so did the shame and fear. What happens now, and if you're not careful, is things that you have repented of, things that you have put under the blood, come back to, to harass you, come back to condemn you, and sometimes the shame just lingers on day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. How many know that's not of God? Now, if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, you should feel guilty. Thank you for your enthusiasm for that holy grunt. Yes, if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing and you've not confessed and repented of those, you should feel the conviction of the Spirit of God. But that's very different from what goes on in a lot of people's lives these days. In Isaiah 54, 4, it says, do not be afraid. Say it with me, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. The reason this is important, and you can see that shame and fear are connected, actually shame is a manifestation of the spirit of fear. And so God wants how much fear in your life? How much? You see, if you're not careful, you allow the thinking of the world to come in and try to convince you that a little fear is a good thing. That you have to get into fear to protect yourself or protect the ones you love. No, you don't. If little Johnny is in the middle of the road, you can just simply say, without fear, Johnny, get out of the road. But a lot of people have been taught you have to get into fear to move into a protective mode. You do not. Say it with me. Shame is a manifestation of fear. And shame is part of the curse. And guess what you and I have been redeemed from? We've been redeemed from the curse in all of its manifestations. Shame is a fear of exposure or judgment of things done or said, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of the wrongness or the foolishness of the things that we have done. I like to say it like this. Shame is a demonic atmosphere that lingers long after the sin, the error, or the mistake has been repented of. Let me say it again. It's a demonic atmosphere that lingers. I believe the Lord wants to drive that atmosphere away from your life today if you allow Him to do it. Amen. You see, you may be carrying things and you think, well, it's just the way life is. I just have to put up with that what I've gone through, and it can be from your choices or it can be from subjecting yourself or being subjected to abuse in life. You have shame that's manifested in your life. It's time for that shame to go. A high price has been paid to deliver you from every remnant of the curse, including shame. The world and religion traffics in shame. If you don't believe that, watch what's going on in the world today in their cancel culture. I'm so glad God doesn't cancel us. He redeems us and restores us. The world, in a similar way to the church, the church operates in traffics in, in shame by condemning, and the world does it by cancellation. I think it's amazing that, uh, that you can do a thousand things right and do one thing wrong, and then you're thrown into the trash. That should not be the culture in this world. It should not be the culture, certainly, in the church. 
There's a man who had a vast kingdom, and he, he tells the story where he had ten wild dogs. And what he would do with those wild dogs is if somebody disappointed him or gave the wrong answer in counsel, he would pitch that person in with the wild dogs, and they would torture until that man was dead. And a man that served the king for ten years, everybody say ten years. Ten years faithfully getting everything right. One day got something wrong and the king said, I want him thrown in with the dogs. And the man said to him, let me get this straight. I've served you all this time and for one mistake, you're going to throw me in there? He says, yes. Would you give me ten days before you throw me in with the dogs? And the king said, I'll give you ten days. That's no problem. So he went to the guard who was in charge of the dogs and he says, for ten days, I want to take care of these dogs myself. And the guard thought that was strange, but he agreed. So the man took care of the dogs. He, he fed them, and he bathed them, and he cleaned them, and he petted them. At the end of the tenth day, the king said, now you're going to be thrown in with the dogs. And when he did, all the dogs did was lick his feet. <laughs> and the king was just flabbergasted. How is this possible? These are killer dogs. These are wild dogs. And he explained to him, you know, for ten years I served you faithfully, and you threw me in to be eaten by these dogs. I served them for ten days, and they're licking my feet. I have seen this, and you have seen this. Every church in America has a story of pouring out love and grace and mercy on someone, and the first time somebody does something they don't like, into the dogs with you. Don't you let that spirit get in you. Don't you receive that shame, and don't you be a purveyor of shame. That is not the spirit of God. Isaiah 61 tells us this. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Amen. Going to take the shame away and give you everlasting joy. Do I have a volunteer out there? I'm telling you, it's time for you to lay it down. What you did 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, Five days ago or an hour ago. At least you're here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. It's time to let it go. Shame has a huge effect on the life of a believer if it's not dealt with. First of all, it'll undermine your confidence in God and His Word. You cannot grow in shame and grow in faith at the same time. You get stuck in the things of God. Number two, it'll shut your mouth to faith and boldness. When it's time to speak up, you won't speak up. When it's time to take a stand, you won't take a stand because you're not worthy. You don't deserve to be able to do that. Can I tell you something? What we have from God is not what we earn. He's the one that's done it. We are saved and we are sanctified. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. The gifts that we have, they're all gifts of God. They're graces of God. You don't deserve them. You don't earn them. You receive them. Can I have an Amen. Third, it controls your agenda, your direction, and your destiny. Some of you need to wake up to the reality that if you don't deal with this shame thing in your life, you're never going to reach the destiny God's called you to. Because every time you start to take a step forward in the right direction, here comes that shame reminding you of every reason why you don't qualify, you can't do this, you can't get there. Well, I want to remind you, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And I want to remind you, a high price has been paid so that you can reach your destiny. Number four, it robs you of your joy, your peace, and your enthusiasm. Christians that are technically born again and on their way into heaven should not be miserable. Can I have an amen? amen. Like you've been sucking on lemons all your life. It's time to have some joy. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
You can't do that when you're running around with your, your head hanging down. I had a man who was a Southern Baptist come to church years ago. Uh, their family has uh, long time uh, left this area. And he came to me and said, I don't understand. Look at some of the people, their heads are down, you know, and they're mumbling, you know, and they're just kind of shuffling around the church. What's wrong with them? I said, what's wrong with them is they haven't found out who they are in Christ yet. But give them a chance. Preach the word long enough, sit in the word long enough, you're going to find out you're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath. You're going to find out that you're more than a conqueror. You're going to find out he loves you. He does not despise you. You're going to find out he's got a great plan for you. He's got plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. Somebody sitting under the word and really believes what the word is saying, that shame is going to disappear and they're going to begin to sit up upright. Amen. Not proud in flesh, but becoming who God's called them to be. Shame is a manifestation of fear stops that. Look at somebody and say, not another down day. Come on, say it boldly. Not another down day. He has done too much for us to walk around down in the mouth. Shout it out again. Not another down day. Well, that's impossible. Things happen. Yeah, things happen, but you don't have to agree with them. Amen. What you have on the inside of you is supernatural. It is possible to go through really challenging things and the joy of the Lord be intact in your life. But not if you're walking around accepting shame in your life. And number five, it makes it difficult for us to receive from God. You just have blown it so much. And you've done this wrong. And you said this improperly and everything in your life. It seems like you always think about everything you've done wrong. Why don't you start meditating on some of the things God has done right through you? Isn't it amazing that just like we treat other people, we treat ourselves the same way? Down about everything you didn't do right. Down about the bad choices and decisions. Down about the misdirection. Why don't you start thinking about all the things that you've done right for a change? Amen. Maybe you don't realize that on balance you've done more right than wrong. That doesn't save you. But it certainly puts in perspective that you're not nearly as evil and wicked as the devil's been telling you. There's something on the inside of you today that's got to say, you know what, I'm going to do what Scripture says. I'm going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee from me. And you know that word actually means to flee as in terror. Not receiving his message, well, you're no good, you're nothing, you'll never be anything, God can't do anything for you. It's all negative. I can't see anything good in you. That's not coming from the Spirit of God. It's not coming from a word-saturated and word-immersed mind. makes it difficult to receive from God when you think you're just scum of the earth. Poke somebody and say, you're not the scum of the earth. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. Come on, say it boldly. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Aren't you glad you're a word and spirit person? Yes. Aren't you glad you celebrate the word of God and the spirit of God? Yes. You've got all you need to be successful and victorious. Amen. I just wanted to share with you some thoughts today about how to repel that shame, that lingering atmosphere in your life from bygone days of things you didn't handle correctly. Raise your hand if you ever did anything stupid. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Yeah, raise your hand if you've done something really stupid. I notice it's the same crowd raising their hand. <laughs> all right, so you all have that in common. 
What did you think the sacrifice and redemption of God through Jesus Christ, His Son, was for? It's not because we were perfect. How to repel that atmosphere of shame from your life? Well, first of all, His blood is a shame repellent. Nothing more powerful than that. Listen to what the scripture says in Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see that it is that sacrifice that liberates you from shame? Just as soon as the devil throws something up in your face, you ought to reply with the blood. Amen. Say it with me. The blood. Just as soon as he comes at you, you should come at him with what? The blood. Because the blood just didn't cover over whatever it was you did wrong. It obliterated it. It expunged your record. If you're a juvenile in this country and you commit a crime, they'll seal that, uh, that record unless there's a court order to do otherwise. But guess what? There's not a secret file somewhere that's been sealed on your behalf. It's gone. Did you hear what I said? It's gone. Everything that was in that record is gone because of the blood. Psalm 25, 2 and 3, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Say, I'm not going to be put to shame. Romans 9.33, as it is written, see I lay in Zion, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. When? Never. Why? Because the blood of Jesus allows us to receive a gift of God called righteousness. And righteousness by definition is the God-given ability to stand before a holy God without a sense of guilt, condemnation, or shame. If you're born again through the blood of the Lamb, you now have this gift given to you. He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. And now you have the ability to stand before a holy God without any kind of sense of condemnation, guilt, or shame. Let me say it again. You can stand today before a holy God without any sense of condemnation, guilt, or shame. You say it right now. I can stand before a holy God without any sense of guilt, condemnation, or shame. Why? The blood of the Lamb. We talk about it in, you know, Holy Week or Easter. That's all we talk about it. Amen. This needs to be at the forefront of your mind. There is nothing that you have done or said that's more powerful than the blood that redeemed you from it. And yet I see it all the time. Choices that were made decades ago are still bothering believers today. Born again, spirit-filled believers still dogged by the things of the past. You need to apply the blood of the Lamb to that shame. Nobody can do it for you. Number two, his presence is a shame repellent. His presence is a shame repellent. When you get in the presence of God, you don't feel condemnation. If there's something to repent of, there may be some conviction. 
when you get into his presence, you have a realization that God loves you. He's for you. Psalm 34, 3 and 5 from the classic Amplified. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought, inquired of the Lord, and he required him of necessity and on the authority of his word. And he heard me and delivered me from how many fears? All my fears. And listen to this. They looked at him and were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame or be confused. Your days of blushing are over. Can I have an amen? Now, there are a lot of people out there in that world. They need to blush. Amen. But it's time for you to be done with that. Isaiah 50, verse 7. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. Let me help you out here. When you get in and abide in and stay in his presence, you trade in the shame face for grace face. I like grace face better. Look at your neighbor and say, you look better in grace than you do in shame. Come on, say it. I'm trading shame face for grace face. And how many people walk around, even in the body of Christ, with shame face? So from now on, church, you see somebody around this church walking around with shame face, you just tell them to take off that shame face and put on the grace face. And start with yourself when you get up in the morning looking in the mirror. Yeah, but I did this wrong. Yeah, but I made that bad choice. Yeah, but I could have done this differently. Yeah, I can't believe what I did. You know, anybody in this room, regardless of where you are spiritually, you're capable of doing anything wrong. You're capable of doing anything. So you're either going to rely on God as mercy and his grace, or you're going to rely on your ability for perfection. It's not going to happen. You'll walk around in shame all the days of your life, but if you'll accept his grace and his mercy and his love for you, Grace face. Let's all practice. Everybody do it. Ready? So now we have an actual, you know, signature for this message. So now when you see somebody in the church and they walk up to you and go like this, you know. Amen. Trade in your shame face for grace face. Hallelujah. His blood is a shame repellent. His presence is a shame repellent. You're never going to go to him in prayer and he's going to throw you, you know, into a ditch. It's not going to happen. He's going to love you. He's going to embrace you. But a funny thing happens a lot of times when people walk around in shame, they stay out of his presence because they don't feel worthy or qualified to. The only qualification to go into his presence is the new and the living way Jesus made by his blood. Go in, come boldly into that throne of grace. Amen. And receive help and mercy in that time of need. And I promise you this, he's not going to give you a bunch of shame. Amen? That's religion's department, and that is the world's department. I find it, you know, hilarious sometimes and also disheartening to see the world treat each other this way. But have you noticed the world is selective with its shame? If somebody does something that's shameful, but they are consistent with the ideology they want to push, they don't care. But if somebody does something that is shameful and they don't agree with their ideology, they throw them under a bus. Amen? Well, you know what? Everyone that comes to our Father, He throws no one under the bus. 
Aren't you glad? Number three, his word is a shame repellent. Psalm 119.80, may I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. You see the connection between honoring the word and not walking in shame. Romans 10.11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. He's talking about me. Come on, said everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Scripture tells us, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The word is a sanctifying force that eliminates shame. It separates us from sin, but the word also separates us from the effects of sin. Things like shame. I believe that the more you're in the word of God, the more you find out who you are, you find out the truth of how God sees you, the less you'll put up with shame. Amen. Can you imagine what will happen if you'll learn to plead the blood, if you'll learn to stay in his presence, if you'll learn to stay in his word? Shame doesn't have a chance. It's time to get rid of that atmosphere that's hanging around you, no matter how long it's been there. You know, when I think about uh, shame moving to shameless, I think about Rahab in the Old Testament. First of all, this woman is a Canaanite. Second of all, she's a prostitute. And that's not enough. She actually owns the brothel. And that's not even enough. She's actually the owner of the most successful brothel around. She's good at what she does, whatever that means. She runs into the two spies of Israel. At that moment in time, there's a decision to make. Do I align myself with God, his covenant, and the truth? Or do I align myself with a pagan nation that stands under judgment by Almighty God? She made a decision, and because of that, it saved her and her entire household. And that's how fast you can come out of shame today. To make a decision to go with God and what he says in his covenant Instead of what the world says, instead of what your mind is telling you, instead of what circumstances are telling you, you align yourself with the truth. It's staggering to me to, to read what Matthew says about the genealogy of the people of God all the way down to your Savior. Just I'll read a portion of it. In Matthew 1, uh, Matthew 1, 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez the father of Hezron. Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Abinadab. Abinadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the former of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and eventually Jesus the son of David. Listen to this. This woman, Canaanite, harlot, brothel owner and operator, human trafficker, let's just use today's vernacular, is the great-great-grandmother of King David himself. Now, he can do that with Rahab. He can do it with you. 
God wants you to apply his blood, his presence, and his word and come out of that shame and be what God has called you to be. And this is that day. You may have brought in that atmosphere, but you're not leaving with it in Jesus' name. Whether the shame is because of your choices, somebody else's choices, because of things you have done, or because of abuse you have received, you're not going home with that same atmosphere. I want you to stand and give the Lord the biggest hand clap you've ever given him and receive today. But you're free from this. Come on, you're free from this.